Children's author Margaret Wise Brown wrote many classic books for kids, including the well-known Good Night Moon. In another beloved book, The Runaway Bunny, we see a little bunny who keeps testing his mother by suggesting he might run away from home. The little bunny says he might become a trout in a stream and swim away, but his mother replies that then she would become a fisherman to catch him. The little bunny says he would become a bird and fly away, but his mother replies then she would become a tree that he would perch in. On and on it goes, and the bottom line is, you cannot run away from the love of your mother. Well, as the book of Jonah opens, Jonah seems to think he can run away too, run away from God, but he soon learns he can't. Stay tuned as we begin to explore the book of Jonah. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, we're beginning uh, now a four-part series, which will correspond to the four chapters of Jonah. Uh, and the four chapters of Jonah, they're broken up very well into really the four dramatic acts. If Jonah were a play, it would have four acts. And so each of the episodes in this series is going to focus on one chapter at a time. It's a drama, but it's also a comedy. So it might yeah. be fair to call it a dramedy because there's plenty of things that are going on in the scripture that are turns or phrases in Hebrew, if you could catch it. Also, this is one of the minor prophets books. And, and we, of course, we know we don't call them minor prophets because they're lesser than the major prophets. But we call them minor prophets because the books are smaller than the ones like the Isaiah, the Jeremiah, the Ezekiel yeah. books. This is a short book. This is four chapters. And so a lot of the books in this sequential order before the intertestamental period, before Matthew is written, they're called minor prophets because they're shorter books. They're the short ones. And there are 12 of them. And, and there are books like, as you said, Amos, Micah, Zephaniah. Jonah, though, stands out. There's a couple of reasons it stands out. We'll note the first one now. We'll note the second one in a few minutes. But Jonah stands out from all those other books because Jonah is a narrative. Jonah is a story. Now, you get some stories inside like Jeremiah, but Jeremiah as a book isn't an unfolding story. Neither is Amos, neither is Micah or Malachi. So Jonah stands out from the other 11 minor prophets because his book is a story. It's a narrative, which makes it unusual in that particular collection. We don't really know that much about Jonah the man, do we? We don't know very much about him as a prophet. We just know that he's been called on the scene in this drama that's more of a narrative. And I think this is, I mean, for our kids, is really most one of the most entertaining stories, even before Veggie Tales came out with it, <laughs> because it is, unfolds in a story form as opposed to the prose and the narrative that these other books come in. I haven't watched Veggie Tales in years since my kids are grown, but thanks for reminding me of that. So it was an interesting show. Jonah was a good one. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, but right, we, we don't know anything about Jonah, but then again, we didn't really know much about anybody else either, Amos or, or Zechariah or Zephaniah. These prophets just sort of appear out of nowhere, and that makes them part of a very, very important tradition in the history of Israel. Way back in Deuteronomy 18, when Moses was on the verge of dying and leaving Israel, there's a very important passage in Deuteronomy 18 that promises that there would always be at least one prophet in Israel. Moses would. Moses was the first great prophet, but there will always be a prophet like Moses in Israel. You know, they, they would be there to speak to Israel on God's behalf. Sometimes it was to challenge Israel. Sometimes it was to comfort Israel. Sometimes it was to rebuke Israel. But there would always be a prophet in the tradition of Moses. So when we're talking, we're speaking into these microphones so that people can hear us. 
And when I'm speaking at church, I grab the microphone and I speak. The, the microphone amplifies my voice. What happens with prophets is that they receive a word from God and like God's microphone, he's speaking through mm-hmm. them yeah. and they hear the word of the Lord from these prophets. And, and Jonah is in the long line of prophets based on that prophecy in Deuteronomy 18. God continued to have spokespersons and mouthpieces to speak his truth to the people of Israel. And they, whether they listened or not, that was on them. But usually they got a word in the, or an order from God. And then Jonah is really a twist on that, isn't it? Right. So this line goes way back. Moses was succeeded by Joshua. But then eventually we get Elijah, Elisha, Nathan, Huldah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Malachi, Zechariah, and others. And we know the drill, right, Daryl, with these prophets. We know the drill. Right. God calls them to be a prophet. Good. God speaks to them. And as you just said, they turn around and repeat God's words. God speaks, you repeat, you amplify the voice of God for the people. That's the drill. That's the deal. God speaks, the prophet listens, the prophet repeats what he heard. So when Jonah 1 begins, we we expect how this should go, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so God has spoken. This is the typical plan you just mentioned. But in history with the Israelites, Nineveh's the enemy. Right. So Jonah is not all that excited about going to tell the enemy God's word. Because what if they heard it? What if they might turn? What if what if they change their ways? I think that he wants to see some sort of vindication for what has happened with the people of Israel. And Nineveh has been the enemy the whole time. So, But he has a word from the Lord that he has to obey. But he chooses not to obey it. As we see in verse 3, it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying a fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So like you were saying in the beginning, you can't run away from mom's love. Well, he's in a sense trying to run away from God and God's order to go and preach this good news to the people of Nineveh. And that's a problem when you run away. Right. So the normal pattern of events is disrupted. The Lord speaks, the prophet listens, the prophet repeats. But here the Lord speaks, the prophet listens, and he runs away. (laughs) Uh, He's not going to do it. But, you know, what you were just saying, Daryl, is really important because we said earlier, one thing that makes Jonah stand out from the other 11 minor prophets is that Jonah is a story. It's a narrative. It's not just a string of prophecies. But the other thing that makes Jonah very unusual, although the book of Nahum works a similar point, but what makes Jonah different from Amos, let's say, or, or Zephaniah, is that he is not going to be speaking to Israel. All of the other prophetic books have messages for Israel, for Judah. Not here. This is not typical. This is unusual. God is telling him to speak to non-Israelites. So in addition to Jonah being a narrative, making it a different kind of book, Jonah being commanded to speak to somebody who wasn't Israel makes it a different kind of book. So that that actually is a plot twist, if you will. Yes. Because if God has often called them to speak to their own people so that they could live that standard, it was because he wanted them to be the example that he was calling them to be. But if we look at scripture, we see that God's original plan was for his people to be cross-cultural missionaries. And Isaiah 49, 6 says, I will make you, Israel, as a light to mm, the nations right. that my salvation shall reach the ends of the earth. They can't reach the ends of the earth if they're only speaking to their own people. Or if they're only concerned for their own people, 
and again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves in this series, but if they're only concerned with their own people and if they're only concerned to keep everybody else out, <laughs> you know, if Israel becomes a members-only club, oh, no. that's a problem, right, because of what you just wrote. And it goes all the way back to Abram in Genesis 12. I will make you a blessing to all right. nations. But Israel lost sight of that, and Jonah is going to become a cautionary tale on that very point. But Jonah's going to run away, or he's going to try. But in just a moment, we'll see how that goes. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose, and uh, this is the first of four episodes on the book of Jonah. So let's dive right back into Jonah chapter 1. Jonah has tried to run away. He went to a place called Joppa, bought fare on a ship to go to a place called Tarshish. And then in verse 4, we're not very far into the book already, but only verse 4, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. So we know that Jonah's the problem here, but he's sleeping like a baby. You wonder how he could do that when he's trying to run away from God. And we know clearly who the storm comes from. The scripture says that God sent it. I think it's also important to note, Scott, that, you know, you can't just do what you want to do and do the opposite of what God commands without any sort of consequences. Even though all these people on the ship are calling out to their own gods, the one that is serving the true and living God is going opposite of the plan that God has for him. And that not only affects him, but the people in proximity with him. So now that because he's going down and taking a nap in this thing when he's really supposed to be going to Nineveh, these people in the ship are affected as well. Yeah, let's just say Jonah's conscience wasn't exactly pricking him at this point, <laughs> though it certainly should have been. The sailors are religiously all over the map, right? There are, seem to be as many gods that are believed in as there are men on the ship. So the captain you know, has to wake Jonah up of all things and says, pray to your God, whoever, you know, whoever your God is, just pray to him. I mean, more, more the merrier. We don't want to die here. So, you know, let's get another God in on the action. And maybe some of one of these gods can end this storm. But Jonah, I think, has kind of a niggling sense that he is the problem here. I think he kind of knows it. This is one of the reasons why he probably just kind of avoided the whole thing and went in and and took a nap. But I think that people were really in a panic state because this boat was taking on water. And so they try to get down to the bottom of it, as you can see in verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, come us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots and lots fell on surprise to Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us 
us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew and I serve the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Right. So now we're backfilling a little bit here in verse 10. We weren't told this earlier, but when he came on board the ship, they said, what, what, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm running away from uh, Yahweh. You know, I'm running away from the Lord. Oh, okay, fine. These people don't believe there is just one God. So Jonah's running away from his God, big deal. So he already told them that, but now he really identifies, like, what kind of work do you do? Well, <laughs> he's not doing his work at all right now, is he? That's the very point. He's running away from his job. He but, doesn't tell him the job either. Yep. But, you know, what's interesting, Daryl, is that these are polytheistic people. They believe in many, 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 many gods, but they've obviously heard of this Yahweh, yeah. this God of Israel. And they know that this God has a reputation. Maybe they've heard the stories about Egypt and the Red Sea, who knows, or the plagues. But this God has a reputation of being one you didn't want to tangle with. And so when Jonah says, that's the one I'm tangling with, they're terrified. So even though they don't believe in the true and living God, the true and living God has a reputation among the nations. And it's interesting that Jonah would even try to run away from this God because Hebrews says that it's the face of the Lord that he's running from. So Lifne Adonai means the face of the Lord. And then it says that literally he ran away from the face of the Lord. How could you run away from someone who sees everything, who is paying close attention to every detail? That's really crazy. But then we see that these people have an idea of who the real God is. if They wouldn't even be panicking and terrified like that. So now they're like, what do we do? And then Jonas is what tossed me over the edge. And they're like, wait, now you want us to send you to Sheol. You want us to send you to the ground. Grave, that's even worse. That's We're right. not going to do that. And, and so then the problem is going to get worse if they don't listen. And by the way, how's that for irony, Daryl? Jonah is a prophet of Yahweh, a prophet of Israel, but these sailors have more respect for God in this moment than he does. Oh, yes. I mean, they've got more respect for God than Jonah does at this particular moment, for goodness sakes. But they're good guys. They don't want to, well, they don't want to make Israel's God any more angry by killing Jonah. They try their best to row back to land or back to reading the text of verse 13, but they couldn't. For the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to Yahweh. <laughs> no, they cried to the Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Uh, they throw him overboard, and then we read, the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, Yahweh, and they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows to him. So despite himself, Jonah spread the knowledge of God after all. <laughs> Jonah's going to be an example for the Lord, <laughs> whether he's a good example or a bad example. Despite himself, yeah. God actually uses him as an example. And these people who do not know the Lord, who are from different countries, it's irony to see them being more faithful than the one who actually knows God. I think that can help us be humble in our understanding today that there may be people who don't even know Jesus Christ, but still could live in a way that is faithful and honoring to him. And we could learn something from their testimony yeah. if we're not saying, oh, we cornered the market on the gospel, we cornered the market on the good news. And if we don't say anything, then there's nothing going to happen. That's not true. God worked in the life of these people in the ship and he could work in the life of other people who do not know him. 
As my friend Neil Plantinga says, and I've said it before on Groundwork, God can hit straight shots with crooked sticks. Uh-huh. And Jonah is a crooked stick here, but God hit a straight shot with him anyway and got right to the heart of these sailors. But Jonah, of course, should have known better that this wasn't going to work, this plan of his. If you had only remembered the 139th Psalm, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. It's the runaway bunny we talked about at the beginning of the program, Daryl. Psalm 139 tells us you can't flee from God. No matter how far away you go, you are not going to flee from God. You're not going to get away from God. And Jonah should have known better that that plan of his wasn't going to work. And if God is everywhere, it makes it useless to flee from an omnipresent God who's even in the sea, who's even in the situations that we don't think he's in. And in this situation, even though Jonah was thrown over the the sea, God actually gave a fish for him to be swallowed by, which is a grace because he could have drowned to death. So then in verse 17, as we close this section, we see the Lord has provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. But there's more to this story and we want to tell you more about it. So stay tuned. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged FamilyFire.com. I'm Scott Jose, along with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork and this first episode of a four-part series on the book of Jonah. Each episode in this series will correspond to a chapter, so we're in Jonah chapter one. And Daryl, just to recap, Jonah received an unusual request. All of the other prophets uh, in the Bible basically are told to go prophesy to Israel, to Judah, go tell the people of Israel, the covenant people of God, what God wants them to hear, but not Jonah. He has to go to Nineveh and call them to repentance. And we'll save it for later in the series why it was that God cared about a people so wayward and so far outside of Israel. But for now, God gave Jonah a message to deliver, but for reasons that will become clear later, Jonah wanted nothing to do with it. And so he ran away. Yeah, Jonah doesn't want anything to do with this. He runs in the opposite direction. He ends up in this uh, boat with these people down in Joppa, ends up getting a big storm sent on them. And even though they call out to these foreign gods, they realize that everybody needs to be calling out on their God. And then he calls out on a true and living God. They find out after casting lots who the problem is. And this situation, it gets even more strange and ironic. But Jonah wants no part of this message to the foreigner. It's actually the situation where the Ninevites are not God's people. Right. And so Jonah doesn't feel any obligation to help them. And we'll find out that later for sure, confirmed later in the book. But we said Jonah tried to flee from God, flee from God's presence, flee from God's command. Didn't work. So he goes overboard. They throw him overboard. The sailors are so impressed with Israel's God that they sacrifice and make vows and promises to the God of Israel. Jonah, meanwhile, doesn't drown. He is swallowed up by a great fish. 
Uh, so we're glad Jonah didn't drown, but I don't know how you can breathe inside of a fish either. So, you know, despite all the cute little children's illustrations of Jonah <laughs> sitting inside of a hollow whale with a, you know, a table and a candle, uh, that's not what the inside of a fish looks like. So we're not going to get hung up on the literalistic details of this. There's a fanciful element to all of this. Point is, God has saved him. And we're going to see in the next chapter that Jonah is very, very thankful for the fact that he did not die. But he's not out of God's presence either. And we'll we'll pick up that uh, in the next program in the series. But Daryl, just to sort of bring this home uh, for all of us, I don't want to be overly simplistic here, but you know, I think all of us have a little Jonah in us, right? We, we all <laughs> sometimes don't really want to do what we know God really wants us to do. And often it is exactly Jonah's conundrum. We're called to love people that we don't want to love. We don't even like them, right? We're called to love people who behave in unlovable ways. But we know that God has called us. But sometimes like Jonah, we think if I just ignore it, God's call will go away. If I just head to a different part of town, then I, you know, I'm not obligated to help the people in that other part of town, but it's not going to work. Jonah found out in the very, very literal sense that he could not escape God's purview. He cannot escape God's presence, just like you read in Psalm 139. And the challenge is, will he obey God and do what God has called him to do, even if it's a people group that is not his cup of tea. They don't agree with him. They don't believe what he believes. And and that is the challenge that we have as missionaries. God is sending all of us somewhere. He might be sending you to work. He might be sending me to school. He might be sending us to our families, to our, even to people who we consider enemies. So the names that we give people, the labels that we give people do not exonerate the responsibility to obey God's call to go and speak when he tells us to go and speak. And God is the hound of heaven. He's going to stay with us. The writer Anne Lamott wrote in her um, spiritual memoir that she she compared the the presence of God to like a stray cat who was following her everywhere. She just knew that God was at her back. And she didn't want to turn around. She didn't want to look at him. But it was like a stray cat followed her everywhere. She'd get home. She'd close the door real quick so the cat couldn't get in. But finally, the day came when Anne opened the door and said, don't forget it. You can come in. And then Jesus <laughs> filled her heart and she became a Christian. But that's God. God is relentless. God is going to stay with us. And Daryl, I think that's really important for us to let that stray cat in because we live in such polarized times. I mean, we're, we're being taught by so many different people not to, to disagree with somebody, but if we disagree, then we got to hate them. we got to call them our enemy. And right. so we take to Facebook and Twitter and, and we, we just send out these tweets or make these posts that are totally unloving. But God's spirit is going to stay with us like Anne Lamott's stray cat to say, that's not what you're called to do. You are called to love all people. You are called to speak a word of love for all people. We got to listen to that voice. And today, perhaps more than ever. And I think that that it could be a hard lesson for those of us who have a shorter and a more limited view of who God might send them mm. to and what God might tell them to do. And even the apostle Peter was surprised by this in Acts chapter 10 because God called him to go to people who were not Jewish, who do not look like him, did not eat the same foods as him. And he still found out that God has a mission for them. It's right here in Acts chapter 10. It says at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion who was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. 
One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner by the house of the sea. Uh, And so that happens. But Peter eventually, against his wishes, is going to go. He has that vision of the sheet being brought down from heaven and all the non-kosher foods. But God says, kill and eat. And it was God's way of saying, you need to reach out to people beyond Israel. But that detail that I just read there in in Acts 10, verse 5, Peter was in Joppa. It's the only other time in the Bible that we learn Joppa. Jonah went to Joppa because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Peter's in Joppa, but he doesn't want to go to Italy. He doesn't want to go talk to these these Italians, you know, the non-Jews. But God's going to get him there. And I think, right, that's just a lesson all the way into the New Testament that our resistance to loving people who are not like us is a perennial problem. But God is going to keep calling us. We're never going to succeed at fleeing from that command of God. I think it's important for us to know that God is going to call us based on Jesus' great commission to go and share the good news with everyone who bears his image. And so we have to obey that call. And that is a good call to have. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Join us again next time as we continue our study of Jonah by digging into chapter two. Connect with us on our website, groundworkonline.com. Share what Groundwork means to you and tell us what you would like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dot Morris. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.